Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Art Fight Podcast. Uh, we're here today with our special uh, our special episode 100. Uh, it's a huge milestone, Brian. I want to take a minute before we even begin our show and introduce our special guests to thank Brian. Uh, when we talked about doing this originally and said, hey, we should do this weird podcast and have these conversations, you know, that we're having all the time anyway. And we should just like, for some reason, maybe other people would want to hear these conversations and we should uh, do some kind of a project like this. Um, one of the things that went through my brain was, it, are we going to actually do this? Or are we just going to screw around and do it like seven or eight times? And then we'll be just another couple of idiots who started a podcast and never really <laughs> followed through on it. Mm. Uh, but here we are a hundred podcasts later. And I'm glad to say that I made the right choice because I got on a winning team here at the Art Fight Podcast. Brian, thank you for all your hard work on this. You've upgraded us like twice recently in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, we're on this brand new beautiful platform with these brand new beautiful people who are actually both returning to our show. Uh, friends of the show, we're so glad to have you both here to celebrate our 100th uh, episode. Uh, one of the greatest writers in the game, Chuck Mendenhall. Nancy Kidder, who's the creator of the Writing and Fighting Program at American University. Everybody, cheers. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and hoist one up real quick. We're doing this a lot. Cheers. Drinking it every time Joe talks, you have to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. There'll be a lot of drinking. Joe, okay. yeah. You guys are still a couple of idiots, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I am not absolved of that. And we did. And we did screw around and just do like eight or nine episodes, but we just reset and did eight or nine more. Reset. Did eight or nine more. Right. <laughs> And right, made it right, to, right. we'd limped our way to sort of 100. Yeah, we just didn't change the name. So now it's been the same a century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, well, Brian. I was just going to say, like, you know, it's one of those things, too, where, and we've, we've made clear, we've made it clear in the past that this is our sort of weird uh, adjacent kind of fantasy. But basically, the MMA beat was the greatest uh, sort of assembly of, of humans uh, discussing mixed martial arts and all the, the, the angles uh it, it was it was the thing that really brought me into all this many many years ago and so to have chuck here and uh you know to have nancy also in the term in terms of just uh writing and 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 how to just how to how to take complex themes and narratives in a complex sport and make them sort of sort of relatable and 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 exponentially more interesting to even the pedestrian non-fan uh, sort of person. The, the mechanisms through which we bring people into the sport. So I'm just really appreciative for for you guys, and uh, it's truly an honor to have you here for episode 100. And then ultimately, we're just here trying to recreate like a sort of a stoner version of the MMA beat. Um, uh, and so, just thanks for letting us sort of like play along. So. No, but in all honesty, guys, congratulations on 100. I don't remember which episode I appeared on, but uh, I was one of the – I wanted to be on this one when you guys asked because I had a lot of fun uh, just kind of freelance, talking about everything uh, mm -hmm. artistic, you know, writing-wise, art-wise, et cetera, even some music I think we talked about. So it's, it's been, it's been kind of cool to, uh, to get to know you guys, and I'm glad you made it to 100, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, we try to keep it. Uh, we try to do as little work as possible ahead of every episode, and uh, and keep it sort of loose. And in all in all seriousness, it actually, you know, we'll, we we do have a certain kind of. Uh, uh, skeleton of, of what we're planning on each episode. But, but we've found, you know, really that the format of just, you know, 
putting interesting people in an interesting context and letting and letting the conversation uh, sort of go, uh, you know, where it might, it almost always lets us get to uh, the deeper stuff. You know what I mean? We're not so much just talking about, you know, uh, talking to some, a writer about their latest book and what's that about and da da da, which is, which is cool. Uh, you know, or a painter or a movie maker or a fighter or a coach or whoever we might be talking to, but we don't, we, we, we seem to find our way to the deeper things about like, but the how, you know, and even the why sometimes, which is, uh, which is way more, uh, yeah, lots of people do the what and the who. <laughs> We're here for the why and the how. <laughs> well, yeah, it's working, fellas. It's working. <laughs> well, so for us, also, like, um, it, it's been one of these things where I think that we, I, I'm very interested in process, and we talk a lot of process, you know, artistic process, creative process, and just kind of the general the the art fight part of it, right? Like the, sort of the perennial struggle that you kind of have to acknowledge, and we all end up sort of communing about in in our own uh, ways and uh, anyway. But but ultimately, to see you guys going through, you know. Uh, to see how people can apply creative concepts to actually jobs or university studies or how to modulate sort of the system to sort of accommodate more work that is more creative and more thoughtful. Um, and, you know, uh, it, we, I don't want to sort of do a lot of realming about this, Chuck, but, I, you know, obviously, you know, we, we haven't talked to you since uh, the athletics, uh, the athletics sort of, uh, explosion or whatever so it's yeah. we have we'd be remiss to not just sort of bring it up you know and into whatever reasonable depth or, or whatever but but uh you know it seems like in a weird way like like our like kind of the band had to get sort of broken up or the best record label uh just had to sort of dissipate you know because they just you know were too 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 good and at the wrong time um yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've thought about that a lot, obviously. Uh, it did feel, I have to say, because I was there exactly one year, and um, it did feel a little bit like we formed this really uh, awesome team. Because those guys, the, the guys that uh, they put with me, Dan Stupp and uh, Ben Folks and Chad Dundas and all those guys, you know, either you've worked with them or you've been around them long enough for a decade, you know, where you know that uh, what they're, what they're made of. And so to be in that group was really kind of cool. And it's weird to me, even still, this has been about two months later. It's weird to me even right now that um, it's no longer going. It's uh, it, it kind of, it, it didn't, it felt like it was a pinch me moment that we're in that situation. But the fact that it's ended so abruptly, you know, with, uh, with really no warning whatsoever is, mm -hmm. uh, it's the businessman. The racket is like that, but at the same time, it, it does kind of suck. You know what I mean? Because I felt like we had all of our. We just did this big survey where we talked to all these fighters, and we were doing all kinds of. There was all kinds of stuff in the hopper, man. Right. Uh, just to suddenly just be like, nope, that's not happening anymore. That 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 kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah, that survey was pretty amazing. Tell if if people miss that, you know, people who might be listening to the show, talk a little bit about that survey and some of the revelations that you guys got from that. I mean, it was like a we hatched the idea to do this big fighter survey. I forget exactly how many fighters we got. I believe it was about 170 total fighters, like spanning all weight classes, you know, uh -huh. uh, every, like every promotion and, you know, every, all, everything, gender, we had everything in there. And uh, we talked to these 170 fighters and we asked them a series of questions about, you know, PED use, um, cheating in sports, you know, in, in fighting, uh, you know, rules, um, you know, just everything, weight cutting, all that stuff. And we, you know, put, compiled all that data, put it all together and then came up with uh, features based off of the results. 
Mm-hmm. And that very week, I mean, it was this big, long project. It probably took us about six weeks to do this this project together. And we uh, we went through that whole thing. And the week that it was out was the week that they basically cut down the, uh, the, the MMA side of the roster, the fight roster in general, because Rafe Bartholomew was another good writer on the boxing side, also got the axe. But uh, it was... It was so weird because you're you're waiting for this project to come out, and once it does, you can't really celebrate it anymore because you're like, well, that all that work, and now I'm you know standing outside the window with my pockets up, you know, watching everybody. So mm-hmm. uh, it was one of those situations, but it was it was still gratifying the uh, the feedback we got from it. I felt like a lot of people thought that that was doing some heavy lifting and sure. Google numbers and stuff for anybody anybody out there in sports journalism could use those numbers uh, as part of their pieces and all that sort of thing. So it was so gratifying in the end. The podcast, by the way, the Men in the Myth podcast, I would also, uh, I feel like it's necessary to bring that up because that was one of those things too, where it was, it was just getting to a point where you all had found, you know, uh, producer uh, Chris had sort of elevated up in the podcast, right? And become sort of this sort of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort of hub or, you know, for you guys to sort of, you and Sean to kind of operate. And it was a, I really enjoyed seeing how that, you know, as a person who's doing a podcast that's slowly coming together in its own weird way, it was really cool to sort of see somebody else sort of walking through their own uh, sort of process. But it was so unfortunate because it was such a great podcast. It was one of my favorite. And, uh, and it actually was kind of the thing that made me feel okay that the beat was no longer. And then it's gone, right? But you were just, just really, I feel like, hit your stride with all of that, too. It was brutal. Yeah. And uh, just to be clear, though, uh, Chris was a bit player. And um, <laughs> was the B side of that. No, I'm kidding, man. Those guys were great. Fun, man. Um, and you know, I hadn't really done like a two man podcast like that before. So you guys understand this probably better than anybody, but you have to kind of figure that out the chemistry of how that works. And over time, you get a lot better at it. You can kind of anticipate certain conversations, or mm-hmm. you see, when you get surprised, it's a genuine surprise and you can react in a real way. Um, I thought we were just, you know, just getting our, our stride with that thing. And uh, unfortunately, man, that was part of the part of what got cut off in this whole thing. I know Sean, too, like just having talking to him, that was pretty devastating for him, too, because he's still there uh, at The Athletic. But he's, uh, you know, obviously he can't do the podcast anymore. Isn't it kind of weird, though, that it seems like, you know, other sports, I mean, they just canceled college football, for God's sakes. And it's like other other sports are sort of like not even going to be here for a while. And MMA is one of the few things that's actually sort of like got some traction again. And it just feels like, wow, just give it a couple more weeks and, 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 and you guys would have been on Fight Island. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. All of these things that you're saying gave me security up until the moment when uh, it all became very insecure. So right. yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Um, with UFC up and running, um, and the fact that we just had so much going on, I, I didn't, I didn't foresee any right. changes. And all indications were that they were fully behind it. You know, um, there was just was no, in, there was no indication that it was going to end that abruptly. So mm-hmm. that's the business, man. I mean, as a writer, you know, I've been, I've been a, in multiple, you know, situations. The first time I've ever been outright like release like that 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 hurts because you like to think of yourself as somebody who's not expendable right uh but but once you find out you are there's a good evaluation process that goes into that (laughs) i think that uh sometimes you need to do that you know sometimes you need to uh you know look at yourself a little bit more and and uh and get stronger that way so 
And in your hand, you, you make the most out of it, you know? Isn't it funny though? Like, like I could take an extract of what you just said out of context and people would think, is that guy a fighter? Is he talking about a, a fight that he lost? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's inevitable that, uh, I guess my, if, if I had a question, it would be sort of, do you feel, cause I feel like it works this way for me at least. But when I, when I see sort of adversity in my own realm, uh, I do take example or inspiration from people that are doing far more dire uh, things, right? Uh, <laughs> than, you know, like, oh, I didn't get this gig or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, I think you go through a whole process of feeling better about your situation. You know what I mean? Like you figure out ways to, to feel good about it. I would say that my I never wane in what I think I'm capable of. It's not like I... It's not like I go, I, I don't really have big insecure moments like maybe I can't do this. <laughs> but I do often think about the the, uh, the terrain and then you think like, do, should I stay Should I stay in the fight game? Should I keep doing this? If, uh, if there's, I mean, if you can be called, you know, one of the better riders in the sport, but you can't find a gig, you know, and I'm, I, it's not like I can't find a gig right now, but I'm saying like when you're, you're pushed out yeah. of league like that, it does make you think about all those things, man. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, it's just, I, I'm glad that they're keeping it going. And eventually, you know, this, this whole thing this, through this pandemic, it just screws everything up, man. And sure. like, uh, at some point, you know, things will get back to some, you know, semblance of normalcy and we'll, uh, you know, we'll get rolling, but I'm, you know, I've got plenty going on. I don't have to, yeah. you don't have to worry about it too much, you know? <laughs> well, it's important to hear you say that. I mean, like even for my own, like, st- you know, uh, uh, state of mind and, you know, and, and certainly for the, you know, for the sake of our own little podcast, even though this is something that so far actually gets us actually no money, <laughs> we, uh, it's still something where we, you know, we feel like we're talking to somebody, surely somebody's listening to this podcast. But I think one of the things that makes it special to have both of you guys here today is I feel like in our own ways, especially Chuck, like the relationship you have with the athletic and the athletic platform, I think is emblematic of what I'm talking about is the idea that all all of us think about this uh, this dumb, brutal human cockfighting sport as something far more special than that. You know what I mean? And something that's worthy of literature, something that's worthy of of, of poetry, even something that's worthy of of talking about as as uh, a type of high art. You know what I mean? And I think that's a space that we occupy with the podcast. It's obviously uh, a sort of an elevated platform that the the athletic is trying to talk about sports on. And uh, and Nancy, that's of course obviously you know you like literally have a whole college program nancy's getting rich over here <laughs> that's uh, we're that's, all busted know, man busted uh, artists <laughs> that's you know that's basically a, a platform where you're you know you're 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 teaching people how to write based on watching people fight you know what i mean and i feel like that's also sort of a very inspired sort of uh you know angle on this whole thing which is that this is a much more deep serious thing than you might think it is if you just think of it as two people punching each other in the face for no reason oh yes no definitely and to get into this conversation um you know i'm the academic i curate and celebrate the work of people like the great Chuck Ninhall, who is a big <laughs> of my class because my students, um, well, they get to see the AJ Lydon, which for me, that when we found out, Chuck, that you had not, I'm like, where is my face? Okay, I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we found out about this 
uh, happening at the, I think you call the explosion, Brian, at the athletic. We all, like, we rarely put the bat signal up, but we all texted each other. Like, it, it means so much because you represent the high quality of literature, of what you can do with words to express this martial arts um, and combat sports, which is this human, a thing, a human condition that we do with our bodies uh, in a sporting event. And, you know, so I'm lucky that I just get to share your words, <laughs> inspire my students. And what I also enjoy is that we'll take a, like one of your articles. I think um, I remember a student coming to me with uh, the article you wrote about Weili Zhang um, after she had just won. And I have them go through um, bit by bit of your words. And so they can see the techniques that you're using about how you opened up with her body, um, you know, her arms akimbo and, and how they learn, like how that actually learn about her character and, and you understand what her emotions are um, through her body. And then your figurative language, which is always just freaking incredible. Um, and, you know, so I am so lucky that I get to use this because my students also um, using the vehicle of combat sports, which, come on, I get to do YouTube videos of, um, you know, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, and then we get to explore it. Um, you know, I have to say, like, I kind of use that as the catchy, flashy thing. But once they get in, they see and understand what quality literature can do. Yeah. And so, no, it's, 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 I am so lucky that I found this community, um, Brian and Joe, and Chuck, because um, yeah. I came on your podcast like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized there's more kind of fight nerds, <laughs> people who overthink these type of uh, questions, you know, about the societal effects of combat sports. and. Um, you know, so I really appreciate Ryan that you and, and Joe that you fostered this. Mm-hmm. Well, why think about it if you can overthink about it? Um, the other thing I want to say is, is Nancy, like uh, one thing that's been great about connecting with you um, is the fact that um, uh, is, you know, like as, you know, since March, you know, since we've been in these various states of lockdown around the country and these various places we're located in, um, you know, I've found myself, you know, doing all sorts of different things in terms of like, well, maybe I can like learn more about this thing by watching some videos or I'm going to click through this and I'm going to like, you know, work out with, uh, with this uh, MMA fighter for the morning or whatever, things like that. And I've had a really good time with you and your class and your guests, Nancy, um, with all the various Zoom meetings we've been doing uh, on and off. Uh, we'll obviously give everybody's information by the end of the uh, by the end of the podcast. So, and I know that many of the people who are following us and following Chuck are also following Nancy already. But um, uh, but we've really enjoyed like being able to be a part of some of the discussions and things that we've done. Uh, you know over the last several months because that's been very uh it's been interesting to me because it's really given me an inside look at who these students of yours are and and when i see them you know engaging and and giving their comments it's like oh man these kids really they've been watching these fights like they know what's what and 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 they they're seeing these angles 
through the same kind of lens that, that I might be looking at these angles through. It's not just like, you know, uh, I'm trying to figure out who to bet on, you know, or I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you know, just, you know, some, some just trivial, you know, mundane level of what you might be interested in, in the fighting. These guys, these, uh, you know, uh, men and women who are in your class, they are, they're obviously, they're obviously much deeper in there thinking about it and, and talking about it. And, uh, I saw, I saw on, on Twitter today, I follow a, a Hemingway, account that's like you know just Hemingway quotes you know and stuff like this and and he was a quote about bullfighting of course but but there's plenty of quotes in there that you'll get day to day that'll be about boxing or something like this and it's like it's it's interesting to me just that there's there's so there's such a rich history of this stuff in both in in like serious sports writing and also in you know the the greatest literature of our country and other countries where it's like you know and not even just the literature but the art in general you know uh uh it's 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 such a it's such an in, inherently dramatic place you know uh the the combat arena whatever it is and uh and anyway but i've i've really enjoyed being able to get a better inside understanding of what you and your students are doing by interacting with them in those uh in those various you know online meetings that we've done well, thank you, Joe and Brian, and thank you guys for coming in and being um, not only talking to my students about how you guys became musician and artists. And that, you know. By the way, it's also clear that we weren't doing it for the snacks because it was all uh, virtual. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, remember how, like, in college, I just remember in college, you know, basing my day on where the pizza was going to be. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, Will there be pizza there? Is- I didn't even know there was a club yeah. that was about that, but I'm going to stop by. Or like, I, yeah. That's what I'm saying now, because I don't know, you know, we're, we're on virtual uh, American University again. So I am now carving out virtual. Hopefully people still have time for me um, because I'm going to be reaching out. Um, but I really appreciate it because I also think this pause gave us time. I mean, Chuck, you guys did that incredible research project. Well, thank you because I'm always telling my students to look for quantitative um, information and material. And they always say, MMA, there's none. You know? Yeah. But, thank you. Um, but you guys, we've, we've been able to talk about gender and race and long form. And, you know, that's something that, or just, you know, we need to respect written form here and literature and make sure that it, it stays there because it's something that will last. It, it is a way for us to pass knowledge. And um, I guess we have Twitter and everything and I'm mm-hmm. there, but to actually make meaning and to, to bring it to a human level, that is something that's the greatest thing about sports. Yeah. Everything deserves like a prismatic evaluation as it like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything should be able to sort of echo through the universe as resolutely as possible. So let's break it all down every which way, everything, right? I mean, there's something valid in everything, you know? Yeah. Indeed. Most things. Most. Hey, hey, by the way, like, so this is a little bit of a turn, but uh, so I, I wanted to sort of, I had a sort of something happened to me yesterday and I haven't even shared this with you, Joe. Um, and I just thought that this might be a good place to share. I haven't I, seen Brian since March either. Y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting weird over here, man. No, but uh, so 
uh, I, I guess one of the things I've been finding interesting about sort of the, the pandemic and sort of the change in routines and everything is uh, and every, every, everyone is inevitably finding new tools or new methods or something, right? Like kind of organizing or optimizing something. It's part of the seemingly the human condition or like a, a primordial response right now. It's like, Maybe it's like the intellectual version of prepping, right? It's like instead of making edible furniture, like I'm, I'm gonna, edible, you know, yeah, that, that's what the preppers have. They have like oh, couches you can yeah, eat yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know what that's. I don't know what they're made of. They're probably not very good. But uh, but <laughs> but I guess uh, I wanted to share with you guys something that. I want to get your perspective of, uh, so there's this tool called Descript, and I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but it's like a, a translation tool. Um, you can take audio recordings and it'll translate them. Uh, and you can edit the translation. It'll also simultaneously edit the audio. It's a pretty cool thing, right? Um, but they just recently did this thing where it's like, you can make an, uh, um, a facsimile of your voice such that then you can write words and then it'll create synthesize AI synthesize synthesizing of your voice to then the written word. So does that make sense at all? No. Say that. And, okay. and I think and you're saying translate, but I think you mean like trans you mean, no, no, no. So yeah. I'm here. Here's what I'm saying. I'll say it again. So I just black mirrored yesterday. This is what's okay. How about, <laughs> okay. But just check this out. I'm just going to play you. I'll come back and I'll explain it further. If, if we want to keep talking about this, I, I hope you do, but, uh, I've got a, a little video pulled up that'll show you uh, the audio is nothing that I ever said. It's just words that I wrote. Okay. And okay. then it, and then it automatically created my voice. So check this out. It's a test of my voice synthesized by an algorithm. I never said what you are hearing. I recorded myself reading The Wizard of Oz, well, only about 10 minutes of the book, and the machine has turned me into a facsimile, a fairly convincing version of myself. I wonder what I might say wow. here that I would never say out loud. There must be certain words I never say, like, I really like squash. This is some Black Mirror shirt. <laughs> shirt. Black Mirror shirt. <laughs> but, so, I, like, that's weird, right? <laughs> Brian, do you think it sounds like you? It sounds like a, if I, if I had, like, it sounds like an affected version of it. It sounds like I snorted Adderall and also took Quaaludes at the same time. Yeah, very sharp, but kind of slow and low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if I could get that, I could kind of um, like hijack your voice. Oh, yeah. Well, so this is, this, this is where it gets really dark really fast, y'all, because <laughs> so I showed my wife this thing, right? And the first thing that she said was, would I be able to access that after you're right after you're gone <laughs> this is beyond black mirror do yeah we really do we actually need brian anymore well, <laughs> yeah. but to, to be specific though um you, you really should put in about 30 minutes time it says minimum i did 10 so it will get better as i train it um but I, but I just realized, like, I was, you know, like, you have certain, there's just certain thoughts you only have when you're by yourself, right? Like, in the shower or something, and you're like, my voice is in the, I'm in the matrix now, <laughs> you know? So, because you can't undo that. Like, that's been put through, like, a cloud something. Like, that's it. We don't need actors anymore, maybe? If, well, I guess on radio for now. Oh, wow. 
But what could we replace? Do we need professors? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it gets interesting, doesn't it? You know, I, I, I wonder about that myself because years ago, I always felt like, well, if you're in uh, some kind of creative uh, work life of any kind, you're good because it's going to turn out that all the regular jobs can be done by computers, but the the expression of the individual artist can never be replicated. And on some level, I think I... I, now I, we have to call up somebody who knows a lot more about this than Uh-oh. I do because I don't know. But my sense of this is that that's still true on some level. But oh damn! <laughs> just like just like special like guest weird, number one I just, just said, landed. We had a wizard. I said I, we need a wizard to tell us about how the AI works. <laughs> but finishing my thought before we get to our special wizard, who just arrived, um, uh, I I feel like th- this is perfect for you for you, Matt. Like. Don't, I was just trying to say that I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if computers and AI will ever be able to um, replicate the the individual expression of the of the of the human artist. And then here comes Matt Polly uh, to talk to us. Uh, Matt Polly, of course, the author of Bruce Lee: A Life. Do we just lose him? Oh, he just, who, who better to talk about the expression of an individual <laughs> artist? Who better to talk about the expression of the individual artist than a friend of the show, Matt Paul, uh, Matthew Polly? Thank you, Matt, for being with us. Hey, congratulations on your hundredth. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Brian didn't even tell us you were going to be on the show, so this is a great he, surprise. He snuck me in. I, I heard Chuck was going to be here, so I was like, <laughs> I, I, was, I was just going through my head. I was like, when's the last time I Nanda. saw Paul? <laughs> Oh, all right. It's a party now, y'all. Okay. Hey, before we before we get going here, everybody, welcome to Chuck's Bar. We're all we're all gonna have a drink at Chuck's Bar. See how Matt has like books behind his, you know, his face there. I've got a bar behind mine. That's (laughs) that's how you know the difference between a book writer and MMA journalist. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Fernanda. Hello. Look at that. You guys look great. Hello. I've been watching you. I've been lurking in the shadows. <laughs> it's waiting for my cue. I, I, I love like pulling all of these people from the athletic together. It's sort yeah. of like, you, you don't know where they've been. Like, I didn't know if Chuck was going to have like a beard down to his waist or. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you have know. a beard down to my waist. But <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize. I know it's crowded, right? And it's, but I just wanted to make sure that we had a celebratory moment. We appreciate all of you guys so much. And you've been huge, huge uh, part of sort of the spirit and ongoing sort of gratification that we get for even doing this. So thank you guys again, everybody for being here. We really appreciate it. Your pleasure. Or Mario. Yeah. So, so Matt, Matt Polly. Hey, did you see, um, I was watching, uh, I couldn't help myself, but can you, can you guys see this? Let's see. Check this out. Look at, oh, look, at look at this. Holy shit. I was skinny back then. The leather jacket is pretty dope. That was the, <laughs> the strangest place to record the MMA beat because that table, like, so we had, we had traffic behind us. A lot of times the sirens would be blasting through there. But it's looking out at a workspace. So there's all these people, what, like 20 people, Matt? Something yeah. like just sitting there doing their work all in an open environment. So you're just shouting towards them. It was <laughs> <laughs> very weird. 
That was uh, it was right after that was right after uh, Strike Force had uh, uh, been acquired. All right, the good old days, the Monopoly days. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Matt, you had just put out this uh, new book um, about you your your MMA journey. So uh, you know things were very different. But what was really cool is at the end of that, you actually mentioned. Uh, you know, that I've started on my next project and it is the, the Bruce Lee uh, autobiography and everybody was just like, wow, you know. Yeah, Bruce, man, the godfather. That dates me. That, that dates that photo because it took like a decade to finish that damn book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big book. In your defense, it's, it's a big book. book. That's, that's, that's true. I, I tried to put the time to good use, but uh, I, I lost a little track with the MMA. Tell me, guys, what's going on? Like, uh, are you in Florida, Indian reservations? What are you guys doing? yeah fernando why don't you tell tell us like what track the ufc for is where where have they been where are they going oh jesus i'm taking a hiatus guys (laughs) (laughs) she's just here to drink she's just here for the drinking (laughs) no i'm i'm a little like i've been watching the events but like sort of trying to shield myself from yeah. <laughs> Last I thought they were in Vegas. Uh, mm. that, to my knowledge, to my recollection, that's where that's we're, right. we're, we're still going down. Do you think it's going to be sort of like, uh, if you get far enough away from MMA in this sort of time, do you think that it'll be sort of the same thing as going back to your um, your high school or something where you're just like, wow, everything seems so small now. You know, like if you get back to it, if you get back to MMA, will it feel like the chairs are a little smaller? <laughs> like, oh, I used to really, th- I used to be really stressed out like when that happened. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if yeah. it'll feel like that. Because you get like distancing from it and then the perspective changes. I don't know. Maybe I hope so. <laughs> I left, I let my life be completely ruled by MMA for 10 years. So I feel like maybe... A little bit of perspective is going to be helpful, but I haven't gotten there just yet. Yeah. Well, you're, you're another one where it's, uh, you know, because we were talking earlier about uh, you know, the Men in the Myth podcast and, and uh, well, actually it was such a fantastic podcast too. I really appreciated, uh, and I was telling uh, Chuck earlier with, 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 their, with their show, it was the same thing where we got to see an evolution of an idea and, you know, whether it was somebody being uh, sort of whipped to sort of deliver something every week and you didn't really feel like it sometimes or whether you were really into it it didn't matter right like i'm sure that it was all those things at different points but but ultimately i you really kind of came into it you know so it's cool it's sort of like i don't know everybody has like that band they were into that never really made it big but it doesn't take away from what they what they did you know what i mean it doesn't mean that you weren't on a big platform i guess i'm just saying like it never got to be its fruition you know uh, all you guys i, that. I, I loved it it was cool i feel like the daniel johnston of like yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> podcast. i like it i'll take it right. all the horrible mental illness thing that, that that was not pleasant but uh yeah i mean it was very, like, I, I didn't get I, as much time to develop as the men in the myth. And like you said, it was a little bit of everything. Like, I really enjoyed it, but it was torture at the same time. So it was really abrupt. Like, one day it was just like, it's not happening anymore. And I was both completely distraught. Like, legit, I cried for days, like, sitcom crying. Like, 
mm-hmm. under the covers because I was in Canada, so I was literally under the covers. Like <laughs> I failed, I failed everyone who loved me. Mom, I failed, and my mom's like, "What is a podcast?" So, uh, I don't understand this. We still love you, baby. Um, but, at the same time, I was a little relieved. Like, okay, that's a weight that's been removed from my week. Um, I I was just listening to it the other day, and it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I did that. Like, I actually wrote that whole thing, and I did that every week, and I got guests every week, and I did it all by my – well, we had a producer, the same producer that Chuck and Sean had was awesome, but he wasn't a part of my podcast. He right. just – and then gave me free therapy sessions because <laughs> every podcast episode began with, well, Chris, this sucks. This is horrible. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with the shitty thing that I put out today. And he was always like, I'm sure it's great. You're doing amazing. <laughs> Chris Jenner with the camera. Like, you're doing amazing, sweetie. And, um, that was poor guy. He should get hazard pay uh, for having to deal with me. But. Yeah, it was it was really challenging, and now like it's so weird because it wasn't that long ago. But looking back, I was like, oh wow, I just I really did that thing. But um, I can say right now there are news coming up on that front. I'll give you guys. Oh, the, interesting. Yeah, I'll leave it at in the like it's very mysterious. Very and mysterious. Working on the the hundredth episode of Art Fight that you you left this little nugget of news especially for you guys i haven't even told everyone on my social media yet and that's how you know it's important because i tell literally everything (laughs) (laughs) well i'm excited for that and then uh you know uh matthew i think that you've probably gotten uh you've you've evolved right you've made you you did your uh executive producing experience and then also your jackets have probably evolved as as well (laughs) (laughs) They're mink coats now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but fur. That's right. I enjoyed. Hey, Matt, I really enjoyed. I haven't had a chance to actually say this to you beyond maybe uh, on Twitter, but uh, watching the debut of the Bruce Lee documentary on ESPN, I, I uh, really enjoyed following along with you that night because you were like doing a great job of like, it was almost like I was watching a commentary on the DVD because it was like every time something happened, Matthew would be like, that's exactly right. Also, don't forget about this. And then other times it's like, that's incredibly wrong. Why are they saying that? <laughs> and so I really it was really a great like enhanced experience to actually be able to follow along to your commentary while I was watching that. Yeah, thank you, man. I I, I think the lesson is don't uh, put out something without allowing your executive producer to fact check it. (laughs) They really they they sent it to me two days before they released it. And I was like, yeah you know, guys, I actually do know a little bit about this subject. Why, why did you send this to me earlier? Yeah. Um, but I think they, uh, you know, they were working with the estate and there were certain points right. they wanted wanted to make on their behalf. Sure. Um, uh, so that that's how that turned out. But yeah, uh, it was great to see the documentary get out, uh, something mm-hmm. based on my book. You know, I waited a long time for that. So that was a real pleasure. Yeah, and all in all, I mean, uh, I think you would agree with this. All in all, a, a fucking fantastic documentary, a great, a great movie, and and really a wonderful, uh, especially with ESPN now being like the home of MMA as far as UFC is concerned. It, it I, I love the way that 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 you know that. Uh, documentary just really sort of highlighted, you know, his uh, his role in in just 
bridging the gap for people and saying like, what if this was the case? You know what I mean? And, and now here we are where we're actually watching all these ideas play out in real life. Yeah, I think that's uh, the amazing thing is that martial arts was never really considered a, a valid sport in the culture. It was mm-hmm. like some weird uh, off. Oh, no. He's back. Hold on a second. <laughs> so, uh, but no, uh, before, before I get cut off again, uh, yeah, it was, it's great to see that uh, ESPN validating sort of Bruce Lee is a part of the sports culture as well as just the uh, artistic and the celebrity. 100%. And that's that my mother-in-law, who really doesn't follow much sports at all, um, but thankfully, it was promoted. And because of COVID, I think people were desperate. She yes. watched that and was just loved it. She called me and told me all about it. So I'm assuming it performed pretty well. <laughs> yes. When you get the mother audience, you know you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> the only downside I would say is the resurgence of the, the age-old discussion of would Bruce Lee beat, insert name, in the office. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't love those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite story was I was on some uh, uh, one of those long threads and some forum, and they were having a thirteen-page argument over whether Bruce Lee could beat the Hulk. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I remember thinking, wow, we've really, we've really gone there, haven't we? So um, he has this kind of iconic status. Um, you know, when anybody asks me, I say he, he, would, he would need to do a little grappling research before he wanted to get the cage. <laughs> the, sport has, the sport has evolved significantly since 1973. What's our conclusion, though? Oop, did I freeze? <laughs> yes, you know, Jesse beat the Hulk. We need it up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> wow. Matt, come on. This is playing hard to get. Matt, <laughs> Matt, is, Matt is playing the distance game. He's in and he's out. <laughs> I'm bridging the gap. <laughs> I think oh, oh, uh, Chuck, I wanted to ask Chuck, where are you at now? Uh, I'm in the same spot. I'm in Connecticut still. Yeah. Yeah. And where, who are you writing for? Well, right now, freelance uh, <laughs> for the ringer again. Excellent. Still good. Uh, yeah, so that's the most public, you know, public thing going on right now. Excellent. Tomorrow. Yeah. When we had Same. you on, Chuck, uh, the, when you were on as, you know, our solo guest uh, on the podcast, we ended that podcast talking about the possibility of uh, the fact that, like, we had yet to see the, like, the great contemporary uh, MMA book, like the, 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 uh, you know, the fight or whatever, that, that sort of thing, like something of that level written about the sport of MMA. And, uh, and, and, you know, we're assuming that you are the person who will be writing that book (laughs) and I'm not going to push you too hard, but I'm just wondering, have you been sort of like doing a little bit of research in some of the time that you've had recently during the time that we're all sort of have time to do that? I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Yeah. Well, looks like I'm freezing, man. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, uh, 
it's still fully on my mind. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. And I, and also too, people don't realize, but like a lot of times, I mean, and very seriously here, and I think probably all of us can relate to this at the end of the day, if you want to actually get creative work done, you have to do it. And also a big part of doing it is often sort of, thinking about it and letting it sort of find its roots in your brain. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, I got it. I like to take a walk every now and then it's really good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. My idea is to come in about five years longer than <laughs> I've been explaining the percolating theory to my wife for many years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, David, there's a great David Lynch book that that anybody interested in creativity should read. David Lynch's, uh, uh, it's, I think it's called Catching the Big Fish. And in that, he talks about when he was a young kid, his neighbor friend, a little kid who lived next door to him, his father was actually a painter, like a, a, a not you know not a house painter, an actual painter who made his living you know painting landscapes and stuff out west, uh, where where David Lynch was was brought up, and at some point one of David Lynch's like you know sort of like foundational you know entrees into the art world was he became this guy's like studio assistant when he was still like a high schooler and he realized early on that a huge part of painting was just like sitting on the couch reading the paper <laughs> like this guy like spent a lot of time not painting but he learned that it was like yeah but that's kind of all a part of it like i need to get into my studio i might need to like fiddle around and straighten some stuff out and mess with this and mess with that and maybe do a few things here and there but then i'm just going to kind of hang out and turn on the radio and i'm and i'm working and i'm doing things but i'm not ready to actually paint anything yet you know and then he would be and then it would be there and it was there because he took the time to percolate as matthew said so the it's 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 one of those things that that i think people from the outside don't get it but it's like you really it really is required it really takes time for your ideas to come together and i know as a writer it takes time to work on something and then you must absolutely get away i feel like i can hear the gears grinding in fernanda's head right now i feel like like you're you're one of those people where it's like i think you 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 uh openly sort of lament the pain of the process rightfully so right but at the same time i'm always wanting to sort of like console people like you know that are feeling that way to say like no this is just a natural like to do nothing is to do something very often right or like you don't need to feel bad about not getting so much done or whatever uh, you feel bad you can read as many productivity books and listen to <laughs> as you want and trust me i do uh, <laughs> creatives and reading creative quotes you uh, it's like this is a me time. I'm gonna drink my gin and watch my <laughs> channel. Which speaking I of which, I'll be watching a lot of everybody. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, one hundred, one hundred. Cheers. My, my glass is actually empty already. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I realized the thing to do. Uh, it, Every, everybody started offering a master class on something on the internet. Have you noticed this? Like there's a master class for, I, I don't know, playing spoons or like whatever. There's a master class for everything now. So I thought about this and maybe you guys can get in on this with me because I think it's going to need more than just my brain on this. What about a master class, master class? 
<laughs> that's very meta. <laughs> like, do you want to start a masterclass on the internet? Well, then you need to take our masterclass. It's just like a way of cutting, cutting right in front of the line. I think of virtually the whole thing. Story of now, I don't know if it's at the Atlantic. Uh, I just saw it in my autumn, and it was saying, like, talking about the boom of the masterclass. And I feel like you're on to something. I feel like in the on the internet, if you want to make money, you just have to be really fucking confident about whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Pick a thing, go for it very confidently. Don't just never never admit you're insecure about it for a second, and you'll make money on. It. Like that's. <laughs> I'm not very confident about it, so I'm not making any money. <laughs> yeah, Nancy, with your with your writing and fighting uh, panels, by the way, um, like I, I feel like there's got to be some sort of next step that you have in your mind. Will you just go ahead and tell everybody what that is now? Oh, okay. thanks. Yes, Brian. The next step <laughs> for the panels for my class, kind of. Um, well, actually, you're, you're on your way to something, though. This is just the, like, I feel like that you've just been germinating this thing, right? But it's like, oh, my God, like, it's so potent. It's yeah. so amazing. And it's been like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying do a master class, but I feel like there's something there. <laughs> Thank you. No, well, I actually think that what I do best is I bring amazing people together and have them in to talk about stuff that no one really was able to talk to you about before. And especially with COVID, with the pause and people having that time, you know, um, like Nanda, thank you for introducing me not only to what really happens as a female sports reporter in terms of what you go through. And these, I remember the words, impossible lines that you have to be, you know, you can't be too flirtatious, but then you can't, um, you're rude and you're a bitch, you know, like all of that. Um, and thank you also for introducing me to internet trolls. Nanda. <laughs> but as a professor, this isn't the, you know, the, the internet that I deal in. Um, but like I put up a, a, a small video clip of Fernanda just explaining these really great insights into the gender bias. And wow, I got more likes than I've ever seen before, but it was. And that's just. You got into a very interesting argument with one of those dudes. Oh, man. <laughs> but what I find is that bringing people on and talking about things, and I like going to different elements of, you know, we talk about overthinking, but thinking about, you know, when we had Jonathan Snowden and Josh Rosenblatt to talk about long form and writing mm -hmm. novels um, about, or, you know, actually narratives like long form nonfiction, as, as mm -hmm. Matt uh, knows, but um, delving into elements we brought in a Serena Hosas um, about um, autism and being a fighter. And so that has been incredible. So I hope we keep doing it. I have my partner, Tanisha Singleton, Dr. Yeah. Singleton, um, who's working with me. We actually have a project going on. I think I told Joe about it. Uh, I don't know if I told you, Brian, but we're working um, with someone who is incarcerated. He's a writer and also owns his own um, PR firm. And he's um, a life-term inmate at Parchman Prison in Mississippi. Mm. Um, but he's been able to, to write using his iPhone. And he's published eight books. Crazy. Um, and he works uh, getting other like writers out there. He mentors other inmates um, to, be, to work on other people's material. Now, Parchman Prison, I don't know if you guys know, 
horrible. It is the worst penitentiary in the country, maybe the world. Um, they had some riots recently. He's doing this all, and it's actually misconduct. And, in, uh, you know, he could get further, um, you know, um, misconduct for doing what he's doing. Mm. But he's managed to do it. So Tanisha and I have actually interviewed him from the prison, and we're working on kind of um, using that because he also is a boxer. He trains his inmates in boxing. So Hell yeah. that's the project we're kind of working on this summer, but we are going into just exploring other parts of fighting and, and writing and culture. So there you go, Brian, you happy? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. That all, that, I mean, that was amazing by the way, Nancy, but I, I also just realized that what happened there is that you were basically in a long winded way saying, I already told Joe all of this. I just, I just, I just hadn't told you. And so. No, no. <laughs> Nanda, Matthew, and Chuck, too. So, mm-hmm. yes. and the, and our, That's our, awesome. Audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you guys have, you know, been sort of our, our, our kind of idols in these different areas of MMA sort of journalism and writing and creativity. So we are looking now to you. We are 100 episodes into this podcast. What do you think would be the next step for us? Or what do you, what do you, would, what advice would you give us? Uh, like, when stop should now. we when should we give up or yeah like do we give up now Please stop. because here's, here's the thing like you like and I just want to say that like uh, I, when you guys tell us the stories of you know the athletic it was just a day's notice and then I didn't I didn't have this I wasn't doing the podcast anymore or whatever we have no one watching us or checking us on what we're doing at all we we can run completely uncontested with no problem because we answer to no one. Totally so, unlistened to. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have, exactly. We have like, we have no governance whatsoever. So no editors, no audience. It's yes. amazing. It's actually <laughs> the freedom, the unfettered freedom. <laughs> well, clearly testosterone, some PEDs. So. <laughs> <laughs> anybody advice on anything? <laughs> moment of my life i just look around and just rubble <laughs> so uh, and uh nanda i hope that your project is not going to be recorded in your closet right like the whatever the thing is you're about to announce oh no i'm not about to okay calm down <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it will be recorded in my closet because of the acoustics like it just happens. okay and where i live it's but i think that it's charming i feel like when uh, Kat Dennings plays me in my life movie, which will inevitably happen. <laughs> I like that casting. Right now, before anybody else takes it. Uh, I think that will be an endearing part. Just a good visual, you know. So I'll keep recording in my closet. Okay. <laughs> and that's not because I'm too broke to actually afford anything else. It's really for I'm getting another beer. It's for the safety. It's for the, it's for the, it's a safe space for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> poetic, and it's 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 like the womb, really. I feel like a therapist would tell me would bring right. a lot into it. Right. That's where we, that's where we like do like our raven claw gatherings in the closets so <laughs> across the globe. We all get we all we all get in the closets and feel safe. Fernanda's podcast at the Athletic was my favorite. That was my favorite. I like to listen. Right. Um, <laughs> I, dug, I dug it because it was almost like the uh, the Andy Rooney kind of 
you know, final comments on some kind of hysteria that's going on in the fight game or, or yeah. just kind of always delving into the areas that other people weren't. But I, I thought it was really well written, really well received from what I understood, you know, like the people that I heard talking about it. And uh, well, don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was awesome. It was my favorite there. I was really bummed too when they took that out, you know. And uh, I will cry. Yeah, and it's funny because yeah. like before it ended, I didn't know anybody was listening to it. And then after it ended, like I had like not a lot, but a lot from my standards, people. Yeah. Were, I was like, oh my god, you guys are listening. To it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you find out how many people listen is when they take it away. Yeah. Fantasy about people in your funeral like say nice things about you. That's exactly right. I'll just exactly return right. compliments sincerely because I don't listen to a lot of MMA podcasts just because like it was such a big part of my life that my safe space was kind of like my podcasts are not about MMA and I really enjoy listening to you and I listen to the Coleman a lot. Yeah. When you're doing two people podcasts like yours and when it's analysis and stuff, I feel like it seems easy in a way, but at the same time, the scene is so crowded that you have to do something that really engages people for it to actually be something worth your time. And with you guys, I think it was just really charisma. Like you guys had chemistry and the charisma and it really came through and obviously the knowledge, but that we know. And I was really bummed um, about yours too. That was a conversation that we had when the great... Rapture happened. <laughs> the great rapture. Like, what's, yeah. what's gonna happen to your podcast? That was like a, a big moment for us. And uh, when MMA is the only sport going, take down the MMA team. That's what yeah, exactly. It's so weird to me. It's so weird to me. Hey, really quick, y'all. Um, uh, you know, when when uh, when when Matthew and Nanda joined us today, uh, we we were looking at that old photo of of Matthew on the MMA beat, and you mentioned Strike Force, and I can't hear the word Strike Force right now without thinking about Daniel Cormier. And if you guys want to for a second, can we talk for a minute about the fights that are coming up this weekend and sort of just get everybody's, not necessarily you know what you think is going to happen or who's going to win, but just what are you interested in? about it um are, matthew are you keeping track of any of this at all you it sounds like you're you haven't been watching a whole lot of mma recently <laughs> no I, 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 i'm gonna wait till chuck says something and then disagree with him <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's I'll good like, that, no makes, that makes for great that makes for great <laughs> podcasts guys thank you for being here <laughs> um, so uh I haven't. I'm kind of in the same boat. I've taken a little step back and been, you know, I pay attention a lot less than I was two months ago, but uh, I'm still obviously paying attention. Sure. Still, I'm still uh, doing the occasional piece, uh, like at the ringer, like I mentioned, and I'll have a piece coming out tomorrow. I think for me, um, I I like the idea of Sean O'Malley. I want to see, you know, there's this, there's a certain feel for guys like this, this feel in the air that they have something a little beyond. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's handled it properly and then there's like weird almost cosmological you know things that happen that you're like wow this guy like he's got some things on his side too like behind the curtain it seems to me you know um coming back from that suspension that he had and everything so i kind of want to see if this is a transcendent moment for him um because i feel like the trilogy that's being you know the, the trilogy is a big fight but it's not like a sexy fight in the way that um, sell, you know, like that typically sells. It's just more of a, it's more of the bang for your buck. And the bang for your buck, I think, goes to Sean O'Malley, right? Like, I think that people are paying attention to this guy. Yeah. I think he's subtly kind of like a main event in this. It's very strange, but uh, I feel like he's kind of got that, 
that thing going for him. So I want to see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. And I think also too, I think the ingredients with that fight are such that, you know, that essentially for Vera to do well against him, it almost requires, I mean, who knows, you know, but, but from the outside looking in, you know, two days out, it looks like his plan of action needs to be to rush in and stay in his face. And, and that sounds like, that sounds like a great fight, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I, you know, because, cause it, you know, if he tries to stand, you know, tries to play it all with, with, with O'Malley, it looks like O'Malley can just tear you to pieces essentially so far. It seems that way, you know, and, and I, and I think, you know, I'm a big O'Malley, uh, you know, Mark right now, you know, uh, but I also understand that, that, you know, you're watching him sort of move up, you know, through these ranks and, and, you know, fight these guys who are obviously not up to his speed, then fight somebody like Eddie, Eddie Wineland, you know, who is, you know, a, a, a tough guy with heavy hands, you know, uh, but a guy who's like, you know, uh, further along in the game and, and maybe has that veteran knowledge to beat him. And then he knocks him out cold, man. That, when that, that punch that came in the last fight, I was, I was, I couldn't believe it, man. I could not, I did not see that coming at all. And all of a sudden it's like, I, you know, boom, fight's over and somebody's unconscious. And it was like, I did not know that was going to happen. And uh, so I just think I, I really, so far so good. I mean, O'Malley really seems like something special. We were lucky enough to have his coach on with us or earlier in this, earlier in this run up to a hundred. And I follow, they do a podcast together that I've followed on YouTube and, uh, and they just seem like, like, you know, like the next generation, like these young guys who really have their heads on straight are sort of like coming up in the wake of Conor McGregor and see what he yeah, did and how he some, did it. They have, they have some really good examples to follow that they're unabashedly they really following. And I really 100%. appreciate that, right? Where they're like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We, we like, it's been laid out, like the method for success is this. I'm yeah. modeling myself after Adesanya and McGregor's uh, ascent right. and all that. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The narrative there too, that's that I feel like Sean and Marlon are very similar. I, I, on a first name basis, that's just how I am. Uh, in Brazil, we just call everybody for the credit for Marlon, I think that they're very similar in a few ways, but at the same time, they're kind of opposites. I feel like Sean O'Malley, from the get go, people have been expecting him to do good. He's one mm. of those guys really brought up to be a star. Marlon Vera was the opposite. I feel like he's just a tale of just unlikeliness. He's a guy who came from Ecuador. And like, we hadn't even, that's not a traditional MMA maker, but I think it still isn't, but I'm sure it wasn't when he came up. And he wasn't a guy that we were necessarily looking at. He had to really claim, he had to really carve his spot there. He had to. Uh-huh his way into it. And the way and Sean like he's already been treated like a star. He hasn't had that many fights. Like and I'm not saying that it's unwarranted. He's incredibly talented. But Vera has been the opposite, right? He has to he had all these fights. It was that type of guy who I'll fight anyone and I'll fight anyone in two divisions. Like he really had to make himself noticed while Sean was sort of handed that in a way in the way that he was handed the special UFC treatment. So I'm just intrigued. Like yeah. I feel like this is just such a, a beautiful matchup because it I don't know, the symbolism of it is it yeah. and also the Rob Devalishvili, I don't know that's how I say it. he's fighting and he's my irrational favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
pick a random guy that I love for no apparent reason. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> he's just so delightful. I don't know if you've heard it, but he's so cute and he's so how the main Sterling is just so that's where my I love that you bring up the heart because that's so much of fighting, right? Like my problem with if we're going to go into the the trilogy, or, or do we want to stay in the undercard? No, go with the trilogy. It's all right. I'll go with the trilogy here because I love a trilogy. You know, I'm into boxing, and you know, I think of Holly Frazier and Gotti sure. Moore, and I think of these phenomenal fights. And the one I remember, I think it was after the second fight with Gotti Ward Ward said, like, now I know what it's like to fight my twin, you know, because mm. it was constant banging, and it was, um, I think, those fights were so close. I don't think of DC and Stipe as twins, obviously, no. um, at all, so that's why I think it's intriguing, but it is so personal, not what you said, because I really love both of them in different ways. Like, I'm wearing my Stipe shirt, um, and I'm, go- I'm happy to say O-H-I-O, because we can't say that this 2020 and i can say that for steve a i'm you know i have some like ohio midwestern he's a firefighter but then dc you know this is his last fight so right I'm actually kind of not wanting to have this fight happen because i really don't know who i want or i don't want either of them to lose <laughs> They kind of, I mean, it's funny that you say that. I was talking to a friend of mine before we got on, on the podcast today and, and he's a fight fan too. He's somebody who has been in my, you know, Twitter threads during the fight. So if I do that on Saturday night, he's in there. But, uh, but we were talking about that same thing is that, you know, DC doesn't really have the, the, uh, doesn't have the personality of a Muhammad Ali or something like that, but he does have that quality that you love in a champion where it's like, this is somebody who stands up for like honor and sportsmanship and all the good things, you know, and, and, uh, and also is a, a fighter who's, you know, never, you know, gotten, you know, tired out or anything, you know, he's, he's just this grinding fighter who represents all the, the best qualities that we like in the sport in many ways. Um, and who's also just a very charming guy and who is about to end his career and we want to see him win, you know? Uh, but then Stipe to me is sort of like this turn of the century, like, you know, uh, gangs of New York character where it's like, he's just this, like, you know, comes from this immigrant stock from Europe and he doesn't have a lot to say, but he says it with his fists, you know, and this whole thing. And the fact that it's a real trilogy. I mean, it's a serious real trilogy where it's not like it's just, I mean, if, if it had been two very close fights, that would be interesting too, but it was two finishes by either fighter. I mean, both these guys have stop the fight you know so it's it's a lot to say to like see like what's going to happen i actually think that you know given the way the last fight worked out i think that cormier you know has the upper hand but he's obviously vulnerable so i don't know what's going to happen there but i am kind of i kind of don't want to see i'm kind of sad already for whoever's about to lose <laughs> i feel like i, I feel like i've, I've I feel like the weirdest thing for me. Sorry, I feel like the weirdest weirdest thing for me is that I feel like that uh, Stipe is a bit unsung in his sort of like he's one of those fighters that people are always going to be like, I don't understand why his appeal is not more, you know, 
uh, automatic Cleveland, right. Or whatever. <laughs> like what else do you want people, you know, like for fuck's sake, like a marketing department could have drawn this up and been like, that's not possible. You know, really like his own, like his bros just kind of help him train. And like, uh, it's just forget about it. Like there's no way that this is real. Not like but he's a some, firefighter, but for some reason <laughs> this doesn't just fully just satiate everyone automatically. And then on the flip side of it, you got Cormier who's like, run the table except for this, this Jones uh, sort of problem. Right. And then the, you know, but ultimately that can all be forgiven. If you just hadn't lost that one fight with Stipe, you take that off the record. Everything is like, Oh, this is the greatest of all time done. Forget about it. So what I think is so funny is that the not funny, but just a weird is that both of them have this kind of, um, workmanlike unheralded sort of a uh, status that ultimately Whoever wins the rewards, especially now through the prism of COVID and everything else that's happening right now, there's never been, I don't believe, like sort of less care about the baddest man on the planet right now. And that sort of, I I mean, I could be wrong about that, but it feels like that, right? That there's not this overarching sort of gravitas, sort of this anvil over everyone of information that's about to drop, you know, like it's not really there. So I find it strange that there's two unheralded people that are going up for a sort of a slightly underrated uh, sort of title. Hmm. I agree with you there. I was just actually telling uh, my boyfriend the other day, I was like, I don't know why I'm not more excited about this fight. Of course, there's like just the general thing that is happening with my life in MMA, but like in general, like how I... And that's the thing, like, I was just telling him, I feel like this should feel bigger. Yeah. Because, like I said, I feel like this is such a compelling narrative. Um, and it is really the baddest, we're always talking about, right? Like, it's such an easy storyline to tell the baddest man. And we say it so flippantly, and, and it doesn't always mean it. But in, the, in this case, like, I feel like it is. Like, there's this just huge title on the line, and this... Uh, amazing narrative and it should feel bigger than it is and I, I kind of and again <clears throat> it's intuition we can't really whenever we talk about how fights feel big or feel small it's weird because we can't really put our finger on it right we're just going by intuition but my intuition is with you there that this one kind of like should feel more momentous yeah. than it actually is you ever wonder if like in, in these types of fights that your emotional kind of investment into it happened early, like, or your lack of, because this type of fight is like, when, when DC beat Neojic the first time, I think a lot of us just assumed that that was going to be put aside. We wouldn't see a second fight. Like, and I felt like the UFC was yeah. uh, reluctant to do that. They were reluctant. They were reluctant for all the reasons you just mentioned about Neojic becoming a champion again, I think. Um, uh-huh. Not the most marketable guy. You know, and I, they, they don't sugarcoat that sort of thing. They kind of want people in there that are going to, you know, move the needle a little bit. But I think that a lot of people, because there was there were these options for Cormier at the time, it was either going to be a Jones trilogy. There was talks of, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar at the time. Do you remember these things? Like, And I think a lot of people really kind of latched onto those emotional, <laughs> like they wanted to see those things through. When it didn't happen, it was kind of almost like a digression that we had with the Miocic series. So it's almost like this trilogy is an extension of the original detour or something. And so like, then you get into this point where you can't muster the, you know, the, the kind of passion you think it deserves. It's really weird, but I, I've seen this type of thing in the, in the fight game a lot, but I feel like it's established way before the, the, uh, the matchmaking. It happens well back. It's like some kind of disappointment 
hovers over it the whole way or something. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I That's like, I can really see that. I mentioned the biannual uh, Phantom Brock Lesnar appearance. Yes. <laughs> so many people wanted to see that. You know, they wanted to see that kind of fight or the John Jones thing, like, resolve itself or, um, you know, just those types of things. And, and in the, you know, in the media, those things were really trumpeted up as possibilities. And I think when people wrap their minds around these possibilities, they want that. It almost seems like you're getting consolation prizes the rest of the way, you know? Um, but this, that's unfortunate because this one, it is a great trilogy. It should be getting a lot more fanfare, but I always think that these things, somehow they're intercepted, like the emotional, it, it's emotionally intercepted earlier in the process somehow. But in the highlight reel, it's going to look great. Like, yeah. Both were awesome, man. Both fights were awesome so far, so it's going to be good. Can I ask a question? Well, yes. I have so many. <laughs> um, if DC loses, do you still retire? Let's go to Matt. <laughs> I feel like DC is the John Lewis of MMA. Uh, <laughs> Someone said he wasn't the Ali. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, my my uh, the only thing I'll say is I've never met an MMA fighter who who retired when he should. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's and that's true through boxing and whatever. So they usually uh, think they've got one more in them. We like to think of Cormier as like this extremely level-headed, down-to-earth fighter. A guy who can actually communicate the fight game to people like you know lay people who can't understand everything that's going on. But, uh, you know, all, and he's been very, like, rational with his career, like, when he wants to end it. But I feel like if anything trumps, like, him being rational in the end, it would be something like a John Jones trilogy possibility, right? Like, something in the competitive nature. So, yeah, I feel like it's 50-50 even still. I, 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 if he gets through the fight and he's the champion again, I mean, I feel like it could go either way. But I, I, it, you, I can't help but think that for some reason they dangled the John Jones trilogy that he would take that because that's he has to live with that if he doesn't do it, you know. And I feel like he doesn't live with it very well. Right. Yeah. yeah I think it's. I think it's hard to dangle it given the fact that he's lost it twice, you know. But but I think you're right. He would definitely do it. And I almost think that if if suddenly if he wins and then all of a sudden Brock Lesnar comes into the cage on Saturday night, I could see him going for that too. Just like, Oh, let me just frost the cake a little bit before I leave. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fernanda, Fernanda. I must see Brock Lesnar back in the cage. Fernanda. No, we're not. We're not anymore. We're not anymore. I got a knife tattooed on my chest during. I COVID, swear. <laughs> one of my the favorite. One of my Sorry, favorite things. That, one of my favorite things is just seeing when you know that some. Now I know exactly how to push your buttons, Fernando. Like that was. <laughs> like it's so nice to figure out what people's like natural point of uh, uncontrollable explosion <laughs> yeah. is, and for you, it is. Is Brock Lesnar? I guess I have many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to cut you off. 
no, I was just, I was just gonna say it's so nice to not follow MMA and know that like <laughs> you can still not follow it and know what's going on. Still talking about Brock Lesnar. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can take a break. You can take a break anytime. You, you take a that. break and then they just cut, they just recycle these. Uh, what is he? Sixty five? What the fuck? He's on yeah. social security. <laughs> still ripped though. Still shredded. Yeah, I mean, if you pump it, like you know, I don't know how big the syringe is are to keep it that way. <laughs> oh, they're big. <laughs> that is very, you're just accusing Brock Lesnar. How it? dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm sure it's all natural. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you mind if I ask a question? Please do. Please. So hypothetically, if one was working on a Hollywood biopic of Bruce Lee's life, Mm-hmm. And the last scene is him fighting the future, which is the world's best MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Who, who would you in this film, hypothetical film, uh, have Bruce Lee, an actor playing Bruce Lee, fight? GSP. 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 Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm very enthusiastic about this. <laughs> Any other answer is unacceptable. Please go. <laughs> <laughs> GSP well, was on the on the list. Thank you. I'm my in my in like when you ask that question, intuitively, my very first answer would be uh, I'd love to see him fight Israel Adesanya. I think that would be really exciting, mm-hmm. very cinematic uh, possibility there if the two of them fought each other. Um, and I think that would be a little bit because I mean Israel is obvious. I think if I don't, I'm I'm not uh, actually recollecting exactly how tall Izzy is, but I think you might even be able to sort of uh, reference a little bit of the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fight in the, in the, in the staging of that choreography. So that'd be fun. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. John Jones also got brought up in that. Oh, John Jones would be even almost even better. Cause you could definitely do it with him. Oh. Kareem. I feel like it would need to be like the youth, the youth, the uh, like sort of the the uh, the early version of John Jones. That's why yeah. Adesanya, I think, is such a solid pick because yeah. Jones now has like there, there's some sort of uh, there's there's patina on that whole thing now. Uh, you know what I mean? Chuck's doing that. By the way, like. <laughs> anytime that anybody I know, like Joe, you're, you know, you're a great writer. Whenever a writer says, Oh, that's a good bit. And it happens to be anything that I was near or said, I always feel really like uh, grateful, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, that, that was like a moment that happened for something. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't make, don't make Chuck do it, but I'm just saying like, thank you. No, that's yeah. a good way of, I think that's a really good way of expressing like John Jones then versus John Jones. Now there's a, it's a, it's a fine, it's a fine uh, thing that has got a, it's got a, yeah. it's showing its age in a beautiful way. Do you remember what there. it felt like? Do you remember what it felt like? Like, you know, I don't I just remember what it felt like being in like the, whatever you call it, the Buffalo wild wings type of places yeah. or whatever, like seeing like the pay-per-view on back in the day, you know, and seeing John Jones on the well. screen, you know, and just being like, Holy shit, man, this is, like people don't know who this kid is and this is insanity. Uh, he's, you know, he seemed like he was from another planet and Adesanya has that vibe now, whereas Jones kind of feels like there's been enough, even proteges of his or sort of, you know, sort of yeah. uh, vague facsimiles of him that it's become yeah. almost a tired aesthetic unto itself. Like another oblique kick is just another oblique kick, you know? I think that 
with Israel Adesanya, at least you have a guy who almost, I feel like, would pay homage. Like, he's almost, his fighting style pays a little homage, right, to a guy like Bruce Lee. Like, he likes to put on that type of performance, and he would, I think he would accommodate a Bruce Lee in that style, whereas the GSP, who would be the obvious choice, would be a nightmare matchup for Bruce Lee, you know what I mean? Yeah, that would actually be tough. <laughs> Are there any votes for uh, Conor McGregor? I thought there would be. I, I, I would be okay with it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, man, I'm so over Connor, man. I just honestly, I under, I, I, I think Connor still has, you know, the potential to to still be, you know, an incredibly exciting fighter. But like his, like his whole, I, I, I feel very disappointed in the whole Connor situation. Frankly, just the whole thing. Just like what he has done and hasn't done with fighting, and then everything that's happened outside of the ring. I'm, we should write a letter. We should write a letter. <laughs> I just right now, Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley, and Tyson Fury are my favorite Irish fighters right now. <laughs> In a Bruce Lee biopic, though, like I feel like he might make sense because you're you're not talking about a guy like Joe who's like paying attention to the politics and the. Yeah. You're, you're probably dealing with a fan who would be, ooh, Conor McGregor, you know. Yeah, that's true. And also, too, a guy who would be really interested in doing a film thing. You know what I mean? He'd yeah. be, Conor McGregor would be like, hell yeah, I'll do that. He'll be like, it'd be yeah. sort of like, the, it'd be sort of like the Chuck Norris fight. Yeah. <laughs> Bring that cash, though, Matt. Yeah, I know. He, he's his, his <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his asking price might be a bit high. But height-wise, he'd be also appropriate. And give him one of these. <laughs> How tall was Bruce Lee? 5'7". 130. 5'7". 5'8", with the attitude. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's lean. That's pretty damn lean. Yeah. yeah. I should Brazilian and say Jose Aldo, you know, just like that's our answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Anderson Silva. Uh, yeah, we're over that. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I would like to see that. I would still like to see. I would. That'd be fun to see Anderson Silva fight him. <laughs> Good. Thank you, guys. Really you gave me a good name. Five foot seven. That would make sense, but Anderson would also be a much taller situation. Matt, Matt, do you, Matthew, do you, do you have any other questions you would like to ask us that will help us understand why you're asking them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just working on some, working on some stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I think Izzy is a good answer for that, I think. I think ultimately. Okay. Although, you know, a fighter who I'm, I'm, I'm not a big video game uh, it's a long story, but the but essentially at some point, uh, my wife and I had to upgrade our whole AV situation in our lives. And we decided the best way to do that was to do it through getting a PlayStation, right? There were certain games that she actually had enjoyed playing and wanted to keep playing. I've only been somebody who enjoys games where people fight each other. And I don't play a lot of games, but I'll find a game and just like play that game. So we said, well, let's get a PlayStation because now PlayStation can play Blu-rays. At that time, PlayStation had its own uh, channel selection you could subscribe to and all this stuff was going on. So... So uh, so I'm looking forward to the new UFC 4 game, which is the only game I'm playing right now is the UFC game. And I'm, I can't tell you how disappointed I am that Lando Venata is still not a part of the game. Who deserves to be in the video game more than Lando Venata? There's also, there's no uh, Calvin Cater. 
There's no Dan Ige. There's yeah, no well said. Rosenstrike. There's a lot of guys in there that you're like, where are those guys? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think actually, I think Rosenstrike may have actually been added just this the other day. I think I saw something where he had been added to it. But I mean, to me, it's like Lando been added. It's like every button is a spinning move. <laughs> oh, this, this whole thing, you know what? This whole thing reeks of me. This whole, this whole, this whole thing reeks to me like uh, they couldn't handle the complex names, and so they just left those. <laughs> Off. Yeah, exactly. It could be. It could be partly that. Yeah. In it, I mean, that's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> all, of us, all of us. I mean, literally, all of uh, you know. Chuck Mendenhall looking ripped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back in that day. You're still looking pretty much the same. I mean, you're definitely doing better than Luke. No offense to Luke. <laughs> <Screw that guy. laughs> There's nothing more horrifying than people showing me photographs of my past. Uh, so I just try to pass it along. Isn't it weird how like photographs of you from five to eight years ago are kind of weird to see versus like it's fine to see one of you as a child or something. There's something about I think like I, I think when you see one from like five years ago, it just makes you really understand more like the incremental mortality that you're sort of starting to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm freaked out when I see pictures where I'm standing next to people in bars and restaurants because it's like, whoa, you know, uh, we haven't been able to do that. Yeah. It's really funny the other day, you know, here in Nashville, we have a um, we have a couple of different events every month on the first Saturday. That's when most of the art galleries uh, in Nashville uh, will have their new shows open or they'll have a special event or something like that so that people can go out and go to, you know, a dozen art events if they want and make a whole night of it. And then on second Saturday, they started a tradition where on the other side of the Cumberland River in East Nashville, which is still part of Nashville, but it's, you know, the other side of the river, which not the Williamsburg, long ago, the Williamsburg of yeah, Nashville. Exactly. Yeah. And not that long ago, it was kind of verboten, like you wouldn't make the trip over. So they started their own events uh, and then they became as mainstream as, as Williamsburg. Um uh, they they started the East Side Art Stumble. So the other day on Saturday night, uh, the gallery that I actually do my work with, I got a, a notice on my phone that was which is just on my calendar all the time, and it said time for the East Side Art Stumble. And I was like, it just crushed me because I was like, God damn it! Like I can't go to that because nobody's doing that now because we're gonna watch it on a video at six o'clock on YouTube, which we're doing and that's cool and it's 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 taking a lot of work for everybody to work that out. But man, it's just not the same. So yeah, yeah I'm feeling it. And just as I was saying that, I don't know if you guys could hear it, but I just heard some I just heard some thunder in the distance. It's like a Bob Seger song. Uh, so that's that's my life right now. I'm living a Bob Seger song. There I go. This, to bring this back to fighting, do you guys miss the crowds when you watch it? Oh, fuck no. I mean, <laughs> people are lovely. Love people. They're great. Um, <laughs> I was gonna. I was about to do that, Brian. I was gonna help everybody out with a good woo. In general, not at all. But no, I think it's great. Yeah. And do you guys think that'll affect DC or Cipe? Not like being. You know, they've come in with not their normal camps, and then there'll be no one there. I think Cipe will. Love it, but 
Yeah, probably Stipe will. I don't really know. I don't know how much of an effect that will have. I, 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 at first, I really loved it. Like from the art fight perspective, I was like, oh my God, this is like some weird experimental black box theater thing, like where there's this crazy like thing happening where there's no dialogue in the play, but everybody's just like enacting this drama. But I've also kind of gotten to the point now where I'm a bit like wish, like it would be, it would be so novel. Yeah. strangely enough for there to be, you know, yeah. 50,000. I think what happened is you made, it made me realize that there's actually a kinetic, you know, it's not an imagined connection, right? But there's something real that happens that is a tether of interaction and energy between a crowd and a fighter yeah. that can very directly affect change within, within a fight or, or, or a situation. Uh, and I don't know, like it's just, it made, it put, it put all that into a particular relief for me. I definitely, like you, Joe, right? I started off being like, wow, this is like a soundscape. And now I'm getting all this new information about what's happening. And this is great. Uh, but almost maybe more in a laboratory sense versus like, wow, there's actually a a, 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 a perspective and a, a connectedness that is not there that is actually having a, a, a physical effect on, on what's actually happening or not happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> want to tell though like the influence of it because I don't, don't tell me i'm making this up no, <laughs> <laughs> no i can't tell you that so like, <laughs> fighters really understand because you know you ask them they all want to say that they're just entirely focused or mm. once i make that walkout that's my that's where my mind is at i'm not really paying attention and uh, interestingly enough i was there in brazil which was the first event yeah. Um, that d didn't really have a crowd. I remember tweeting with you about that. What? Yeah, I wasn't even, we weren't allowed in the arena, right? Yeah. The hotel in a, a media room. And I asked all fighters in the card uh, what it felt like to not perform in front of an arena. And uh, all of them, none of it, nobody could like really pinpoint it. Like, you know, like, oh, it sucked. Oh, it was, some would say it was strange. Um, but, you know, you kind of like, the corners would say, no, it was good because they can really hear my instructions. Right. But I do feel like there's an intangible factor. Mm -hmm. thing. And that card ended up being like the most uh, decisions, yeah. tied for the most decisions uh, ever. And then we were all like sort of wondering, and that's weird because you can't really, you can't really say or quantify that, but you will have to wonder uh how much of a role does that play like when you're even when you're about to pull the trigger or you know you're throwing up a, a, a bunch of punches and the guy's against the cage and you could finish it and does the crowd yelling make a difference at that point i i don't know i i think yeah. what i think it's like I think it's like having I think it's like having a fan on in the bedroom at night or something. It's like a white noise, you know. It's like a. It, I think that I would imagine that for a fighter, it would feel like oh, now I need to feel like I need to use my inside voice. But you end up sort of using your inside voice with all of your actual physical sort of technique or something. Like oh, sorry, like I, I'm not saying it's that literal, but it does seem like it. It would it would feel like uh, that you're almost. Um, speaking out of turn to be yelling out even as a corner just because it's got to be against social norms in many ways right just that we're cultivated into in terms of how we communicate and perceive sound and yeah. uh, how that relates to social interaction no Jim, i agree with you on this kind of kinetic communal kind of the atmosphere that comes from the crowd because what are we last this is vegas seven they're starting to blend together yeah i kind of liked how they would go to different places 
and I'd have that different texture and different crowd. I mean, you got to think of this. This was in Cleveland. I keep on bringing that up. Right. No doubt. And I heard, Chuck, I don't know if you were there or, or Fernanda. You know, I heard that was one of the best crowds um, yeah. ever. And so I, I wonder, I was telling my husband, like, maybe they should do theme nights. You know, like you do this at like a nursing home or uh, I'm like, have <laughs> or I don't know something because it's like I I always been like what like in a nursing home. <laughs> they, it up. they bring in or they bring in like it's, it's for like it's a, you know Miami night. I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of like how they themed the early cards would always be like something like beyond brutality or like whatever. They would always have some thing, whatever. Maybe they something? should change the zoom background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fight Island. Yeah. Uh, I think the fight Island thing was sort of an effort to do that in a way, even though yeah. it didn't turn out to actually be a fight Island fight, but no, I agree with you. It's there's, there's a certain, I, I only really felt it this week, but I, I actually thought about it earlier this week. And I was like, I feel like there's a certain like, like, you know, monotony that's setting in with, with the, with what, what for a minute there, I was very interested in because it's been very weird. All the things you guys are talking about. It's very weird to hear combat in a way we haven't heard it before. It's very weird to hear all the coaches talking. It's very weird to have, you know, commentators and referees getting in a fight because they can hear each other in the middle of the fucking action. And then all of a sudden there's a confrontation afterwards that never would have happened before. And it's only happening because they can, you know, cause they're criticizing each other in the moment, you know? So that's all, that's all been very interesting, but, but it's, it's sort of like, you know, I think we all would like to be back to a crowd. And if, you know, if I can, you know, like talk about the, like the, 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 the glory days of Conor McGregor, it's like here, just watch those green lights come on in that darkness and hear that, hear that Sinead O'Connor come on. You know I mean? I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I mean, it's like, come on, what do you mean? She's right above you. And yeah. thing. you know what I mean? And yeah. that's the, that's, there's that, that, that. It's it's like going to see. There's a reason why people see movies at the theater because there's a communal thing that can happen. It doesn't always happen, but it can happen at a theater where yeah. you've got a, a a crowd, you know, and a bunch of people experiencing the same thing at the same time. And um, uh, you know, and I I feel like I feel like we all kind of would like to get. We wish we were back there. Essentially, I get. I, I joke, but like I get that it feels smaller. Like whatever you do, regardless, it will yeah. be smaller without those big moments. And I say that, uh, you know, in Brazil, we're known for our fucking loud ass crowd. That's <laughs> proven by the fact that I just use this weird word, but <laughs> in Rio, like it's really hard for me to even watch an Aldo fight without associating it with the bigness of the moment. Of right. So uh, that's why, like, I can't really imagine Conor McGregor fighting right now. Like, mm. you can imagine certain fights, but his, I think, are so associated with just having all the people that it feels a little strange. I, I, I joke because I enjoy the silence and I do enjoy uh, hearing all the sounds and just not having a lot of people around because people are awful. But um, <laughs> I do is sound like the, on the grandiosity of the whole thing. Right. It's like they're in a closet, Fernanda. <laughs> <laughs>
for the life movie. <laughs> Not to make it about myself, but. Uh, I, feel I, like I, would that, say, I feel like that uh, you should. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I just would say uh, from my very limited experience, it, cl- it clearly makes a difference to fighters. If they're, if they're around the energy you get from the crowd, it, it has an effect. They don't admit it because you can't admit that kind of stuff, but it, it does. And then the other thing it, I think it does, the difference is it's very hard to tell the difference between a sparring day and a fighting day if there's not a crowd, right? And the kind yeah. of energy you have when you go into an arena and you feel people around you and they're watching you is a completely different emotional experience. Even obviously if you're a pro, you do this more often, but you know, a pro fighter fights three times a year. He spars a hundred times a year. And so the effect, you know, it's a real fight, you know, money's on the line, but that all those accoutrements affect your mental state and your emotional state. So there's no way it's not affecting the way the fighters perform. Some of them did, did say that when I asked, like, oh, it felt more like a sparring session. And I think that's right. some of them benefit from that uh, and some maybe don't. And that's, that's well said. Right? Like, as these will react differently to different types of... I feel like there's like well almost a, a, a part of the ego. I feel like there's almost a part of the ego that must be activated in some way. If you are doing something performative, you are inherently looking for some sort of a feedback to validate or sustain or extend whatever it is that you're doing. Sure. So I guess I just wonder about like in the, in the absence of that, you know, like, um, you know, some people have sort of, it's almost like Sufism or something, right? Like, Oh, we just go inward and it's an infinite vast world. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I get it. That's, that's way easier than going to Antarctica. Cause I, you know, so <laughs> Uh, but you know, like, so I feel, I feel, I, feel, I, I guess I'm just, Joe, I th- Joe, I think what I'm trying to say is that I think that some people can sort of give themselves these kind of mechanisms for their performative ego, whatever thing is that they need to sort of do that's participatory. Some people right. can kind of do that in an inward self-oriented way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that others are really almost strictly reliant on, and there's gradients of this, right? But I think that the, all the way to the other extreme where people are just solely like, I need to see butts and seats, people throwing beer, people chanting, you know, bloodlust, yeah. whatever, you know, there's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some component for that. But I feel like that there's gotta be some sort of net advantage for people right now that, either have just kind of a robotic professionalism or have a way to sort of summon, <laughs> summon that sort of deeper thing from another sort of uh, uh, seemingly antithetical place, but maybe equal in power. I don't know. I did think I the, uh, that's I, very interesting. What Nanda said about ahead, the, the, the guys who are gym fighters. I forgot there was a guy at Couture. I forgot his name now, but he was the Randy guy Couture. who, not the idea. <laughs> that one. Um, thank you. Uh, but anyway, one of his young fighters that was there who would win every every day in sparring class, he would torture people, and then he'd go out and he he they put him in the UFC fight and he'd lose. Um, and they just talked about him constantly. It's this gym fighter who clearly had some sort of you know performance anxiety. So it is interesting, uh-huh. the idea that by taking crowds away, you actually empower those type of fighters um, and disempower the guys like Conor McGregor, et cetera, who clearly are like, you know, um, you know, adrenaline uh, approval junkies. 
Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's that thing of, of, you know, for some, for some fighters, it's like they get the, the magic when they get under the lights and other fighters, you know, they lose it when they get under the lights because suddenly they're distracted from their natural thing that they have when they're just in the day to day grind of the gym. Right. Right. Aren't we all like that though, in a way, like performance anxiety and like having people watch us affect us so differently. And that's why I love talking about fighting this much because we like to think of fighters as like this standardized, uh, you know, being like, oh, they do fighters like this, do fighters not like this. Like, because we want to think, as we do with any high level athletes, like that's our discourse is in general very dehumanizing, if you ask me. But like, um, <laughs> you know, in, with fighters, like, you're going to have people who will thrive in that environment and people who won't and people who will be able to verbalize that and people who won't and people who probably won't know how much that affects them and, and people who will be super introspective about it going back, like, how did that change me? So that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Because even the smallest things, like here we are, we can hypothesize death about this just because mm -hmm. it's so rich in that sense. It's so many people and so many characters. And of course, they're going to react differently, even though we might just get sort of a uniform sort of way of responding to it, uh, of, of even hearing about it from them specifically. But uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to go a while without those crowds. So yeah. uh, It's killing me. <laughs> Maybe it's just my imagination, but it seems like fighters are way more emotional in these empty circumstances. Like they get on the mic and they're breaking up a lot more. I don't remember that being the case as much with the live crowd. I don't know if it's because they're overcoming something beyond what they normally would to be in there. Um, but it, it does seem like a thing. Like people are crying a lot more and they're post <laughs> Well, I, I feel like that's also a testament to um, the the pervasive nature of what's been going on. I feel like a lot of people are rubbed a little bit uh, sort of more raw than what they normally would be. And I think that the normal, I mean, I, I'm not going to start crying right now necessarily, but I mean, I, you know, but I mean, I could, yeah, and, uh, and I probably feel it inside, but, um, <laughs> but I've been, I've been just insulated enough in the pandemic to not have to break that sort of cellular wall between myself and my raw emotions. So, so all good, but, but ultimately I guess, I guess it does feel like people are more raw just in general. And that's just, a again, right. Fighting is just this ultimate sort of weird microcosm of, of the human condition. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm not trying to manipulate this conversation necessarily in this direction, but if anybody feels like they want to share something that's particularly <laughs> like emotional or, or, um, causes like sort of an uncontrollable amount of upset. I mean, <laughs> that's good for the podcast numbers. I mean, frankly. I don't know. Let's, let's, I don't know. Let's, let's talk to the guy that's just living in a bar. Let's see what he's doing. <laughs> I want this to go on as long as possible. <laughs> well, Chuck, I, I, Chuck, I know that you have a family and everything. So, uh, so, uh, you know, it makes sense that you, that you would have a, a bunker in this way that looks like, <laughs> like, like, like from a naked view here, it just looks like if, if I was just a person that happened to walk by this video cut, right? Like, let me pull you up here. Like if I saw this, <laughs> I, I would just be like, man, that guy's living the life, man. I'm so glad I know this man. Look at that. Look at the taps. Yeah. 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 Wait, you got backlights on the shelves, like illuminating. Yeah, the sandwiches. So, yeah, come on. You have so, a top so, shelf. 
So, Chuck, in that, that beer that you're drinking, do you actually have it on your finger right now? Wow. Whoa. Top shelf, real top shelf. Do you have that beer that you're drinking on your actual tap right now? Yes, sir, I do. Oh, dang. That's oh, nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're doing it right i thought i thought we were doing it right i i found a source i found a there's a uh there's a brewery in nashville that's actually it's a it's a crazy tale but right i literally like a month before everything locked down my wife and i bought a house and we were living in this tiny apartment for a few years like sort of with the idea that we're you know well we'll just be here for a while it'll be fine and, and we actually made the best of it we had a great time in that little apartment but the whole point of it was to, you know, get to a place where we could buy a house. Nashville is an incredibly booming place. It's a very difficult place to be a buyer in this economy looking for a house. We got, we found exactly the place we wanted in one of the neighborhoods we really wanted to be in. Moved in about a month before the, the whole lockdown happened. And Tor- I, tornado, tornado, then subsequently. Yeah, lockdown. before yeah, the yeah. before the tornado, before yeah. the lockdown, before everything went crazy in Nashville, we we got into this place, and I feel like like you know we were very lucky to sort of get this great space to be in once we got stuck here, frankly. But one of the things that made it really great was that about six months earlier, I think it might have been a little bit late, might have been a bit earlier than that. But uh, a brewery that had been more toward downtown Nashville actually had moved up here into this area. It's like literally like right down the road from me. And, you know, once all the lockdowns happened and everything, then they loosened up the regulations and they said, hey, these local breweries, we want to keep them going so they're not, they can deliver they can now deliver to people's houses. So there's a, I have a brewery right down the road that's been regularly dropping off cases on my front board. So that's, that's my version of your kegerator. I don't actually have the kegerator yet, but I've got, I'm okay. good friends with the guy who drops off beer on my porch, like a milkman. <laughs> it's, it's been very good. Yazoo beer. If you're listening to this and you live in Nashville and you're in the Madison old Hickory area, that sounds good. Connect with Yazoo. Try the new Sella. The the new uh, what's it, not that how, what's it called? You, you yeah. They have a new IPA. That's mm, yeah, yeah. Very I say, good. Well, I, another hazy IPA, Chuck. You would appreciate it. Yeah, but also uh, I have a I have a bone to pick with Yazoo. Will you please make a beer that's suitable for? Semi, uh, sort of part Jewish, part German, slightly <laughs> irritable, um, middle-aged men that um, often get a headache from your IPAs, which I love, but it's just I don't know what it is. I drink one and I get a headache, and this is this is again why I've sort of this is why try the stout. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. do, you know, do you know how many headaches have come from drinking this natural spring water? None. <laughs> talking about booze i have to say um because i've gotten into infusing my own spirits in covid oh wow. whoa. so what are we looking at there did you say in covid in covid you know i just i love it that it's like become like a warm blanket of time what's the what's the what's the infusion you have there nancy okay so this is and my husband i have to cut this my husband's doing it i'm just the the uh, bar wine yeah. uh, person who's ordering the drink. Um, the so- tester. <laughs> he's, he's, pl- he's plying you with very rich alcohol, right? <laughs> I don't know because it's uh, – I don't know if maybe this is his way of buying cheap and making it sound cool when he says, oh, it's craft, it's infused. So it yeah. has jalapeno. I love it. And, um, oh, gosh, jalapeno, cucumber, 
It's rye whiskey, mezcal, wow, lime juice. Damn. I, I've been sipping. <laughs> Wait, let me see this again. Put it up to the screen. Let me see the color. Interesting. My wife, uh, my wife's been growing a, a flower called borage. If you guys know what borage is, it's a beautiful blue flower. That's not and real. It's real. And also, uh, it, if you, you, it's an edible flower that tastes vaguely of, I don't think it tastes that much like cucumber, but, but it, it's basically got a cucumber flavor and she's been putting that in vodka and it's, uh, it's a, an interesting uh, way to drink vodka for sure. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of the infusion. You think, would you have done this pre COVID? I'm, I'm going with it, Brian. I would, I would <laughs> maybe, but we've become much more self-sufficient in yeah. terms of our everything, right? you name it. It's like you figure out a way to do it. So you don't have to keep going outside to find a way to get it again. I was just looking up. I just ran out of uh, filters for my furnace and I just now learned that yeah. you can buy w- filters that you can wash with your hose and not have to buy another one. And I'm like, why isn't everybody doing this? I, I thought I was a hippie before COVID. <laughs> I'm, I'm the biggest hippie in the world of COVID right now. You have no idea how the levels I've taken the hippie them to. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird thing to like get to the point where you're in your, you know, forties and fifties and you're learning shit. That's like always been the case. You know what I mean? Because like when you were in your twenties, you're like, Oh, okay, great. Now I learned and I'm, I'm young. And then I learned a thing. And then now I will incorporate that into right. going forward as things that I know. But like when you get into your forties and fifties, it's just like, Oh shit! Really? <laughs> I can just buy one of those and put it in my dishwasher. And then, like, no, because I, I actually use. I went on YouTube. We had um, pulled a hinge from our door, and so I, it got stripped. Oh yeah. And normally, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I don't. This is something. I can't do this. The door might hang for a while before we get someone there." You know. You figured it out. I yes, I with golf tees and Gorilla Glue. Ah, uh, yeah. And then just put it in. I I was telling everyone well that done. what I had done. Yes. Nanda, did you have something to say? No, no, nothing <laughs> interesting or relevant. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just saying the good thing about having very low self-esteem is that I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. But I just got to say that Chuck is living the old zombie fantasy. Like, I always feel like five in a zombie movie. And if I were to, like, be stranded somewhere during the zombie apocalypse, I, go, I would have entered the mall. Now I would have entered a bar. So I think you know, survival chances uh, by a lot because, you know, you won't be able to run or be as agile. But I feel like this is where I would like to be stranded in the apocalypse. So. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, Chuck. Uh, if your family would like to adopt a third, <laughs> <laughs> also here for now. But come on in. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do a little roundtable and wrap this thing up, guys. Because I, I really appreciate it. It's been a, we've been going for a good bit. And I don't want to keep you, but first, on the the line that you're talking here, Nanda, let's pull Chuck up here. Okay, so Chuck, here's the deal. Yeah. We're all gonna. So we're we're on this podcast right now, and that's all good and fine. But we're all going to watch a fight in exactly this location where you are in 2022, 23, 24, whenever it works. Um, And so we would like to come there. So like, I want to go ahead and understand what are our entertainment options there? Uh, Where do I charge my phone? Uh, Like, what do do we have over there? Like, like we got booze. This is good, but I've got my, I got my, I got the little meme guy, you know, that guy. Oh, Oh, you know him. 
Oh yeah, awesome. so good. I got the TV right there. You know, it's perfect. A, got the TV. We got, a, we got all kinds of charging stations. I have a brass rail down here, purse holder on the other side of the bar. What? Dude, come on, <laughs> the ladies. My purse. <laughs> I got a boxing belt. <laughs> oh man, um, I've got everything in here, man. Everything we need. Booze. What do you need than the booze? <laughs> All right, so uh, I wish that I was kidding or whatever, but we're definitely coming there to watch a fight at some point. Um, so. Actually, Matt lives close. That's oh, true. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he can bring over some first editions for you guys to, <laughs> like, what is going on here? Wait, wait, where is, wait, I lost him. Wait, where is he? Oh, here we go. Back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so Chuck, we, we need this to happen. Um, but in the meantime, uh, maybe you can tell us about, uh, you know, you've, you've got a piece coming up tomorrow in The Ringer. If you want to be as near term about that, great. If you want to sort of profess any big plans or ideas. Uh, or tell now's us the time. what we want to hear, you know, in some elevated form. Uh, now's the time. I wonder what you'd want to hear right now. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I, I do have a piece coming out tomorrow. I'm still going to be dabbling. Uh, I kind of like the way it is right now, you know, like. Yeah. Well said. I like to take a step back sometimes. And I, did, I have not had that chance in the last, I'd say, dozen years because I've been writing about this sport pretty nonstop for, since 2008. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of trying to enjoy it and uh, and reestablish my enthusiasm and everything else on that level. You know, like take the time. Yeah. And I have been doing that. I feel like I'm, I'm enjoying the fights a little more, um, things like that. But um, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna be dabbling and I'm working on other little projects. So uh, well, ask me. <laughs> I, so I have to say, like you know, ultimately your your writing being so uh, profound and effective and entertaining and gratifying i mean it's been such a, a a gift to all of us so um you know we sing your praises a lot but we we try to figure out new ways to do it because it really <laughs> it really means something and matters that much we really appreciate it i know sure, I right, everybody and you'll find new ways to praise it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but but the thing is is that i would love to have you on again not yeah. necessarily like tomorrow but you know soonish right so that we can because i would love to talk more about like this perspective that you're getting because that is so rarefied your perspective right now by taking a break from things and and all this in this way that you are having the history that you've had and the depths that you've gone i mean your perspective is incredibly unique so i'm so fascinated by what things may have snuck up on you or or appealed to you or sort of turned against you that you always thought were you know things that you really enjoyed about the sport or whatever it is you know yeah uh so uh you know uh, if you start taking notes now, we'll be we'll be ready soon enough. <laughs> no, but I really appreciate it. Um, so so well, thank congrats, you, congrats, guys! Congrats on the one hundred. That's a that's a big milestone. So thank you very on. much. Thank, thank you, you very much. Call. Thank you very much. And then uh, Matthew, do you have anything you want to announce other than uh, you know uh, that you've got probably something on eBay that's worth a thousand dollars behind you? <laughs> uh no no but uh, uh someday hypothetically if something happens with this uh, movie i will i will come on and tell you all about it oh that sounds awesome matthew and our, how's things going like uh the last time we had you on we were talking about uh the quentin tarantino film but you also uh, uh announced i don't know if you said this to anybody else but you certainly said it on our podcast that you were setting uh forth to work on a uh biography of uh george carlin have you started working on that or is that still in the offing 
that's still a sort of I, it's been set aside to work on the the Bruce Lee stuff, but I think uh, George Carlin will be next. Okay, um, great. Oh, I should tell you, I, I've not I have not said this publicly, but since no one watches yeah. your podcast, <laughs> you're safe here. It's it's all just family here. It's just it's just us, right? <laughs> it's just us. It's literally just us. Um, it, you you made me think about that. I actually did get on the phone with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh so, wow! Okay, cool. So he wanted to know sort of my. Uh, he wanted to discuss the his representation of Bruce Lee and and make his case for it. So that that was that I have to say that was a, a favorite day of mine. So okay. Um, well, I, I I I just in general I have to say uh, this whole COVID thing. I've been social distancing for decades. So I kind of feel like everybody, everybody just came and joined me in my world. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like a prepper after the apocalypse. I'm sort of happy. So I feel sorry for y'all adjusting, but for me, I'm like, Hey, yeah. this is, this is what we do all the time. So, right. uh, but no, it's great to be on with you guys. Congrats for the hundred. And uh, I hope I get to see you soon. Yeah, we awesome. do too. Thank you very much, Matt. And Nancy, anything else you want to you want to run through real quick? Oh no, just that we have the fall semester coming up, and we're we're virtual at American University, and I'm actually doing two sections because I've had such incredible feedback on my class. So American wants me to do more, and I'll be reaching out to all of you because I fantastic creative forces in. So, but congrats to you guys on 100. Um, you asked for like what advice or anything. <laughs> you keep doing what you're doing. What I love is that this your shows go anywhere and everywhere. You bring in such dynamic people, conversations, and it's also like I feel like I got my friends in my ears when I'm mm-hmm. walking. And that's mm-hmm. also all of you guys, uh, Fernanda and Chuck, with your podcast. But please keep doing it, and just you've got you've got the magic sauce. Uh, thank you for everything, Nancy. We'll look forward to, uh, j- to joining your class again soon to go back. It's kind of, I feel that back to school vibe already. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Nanda, that's the, that's the praise to beat. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I a speech. Oh. <laughs> you need to be the Brock Lesnar of praising the, the podcast <laughs> at this point. Like I teased, there will be some news about like where to read my stuff and, and everything else. Uh, right now, I'm just very uh, focusing on my existential despair. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very deep in it, watching a lot of like Lifetime Channel and uh, Kardashian related content. Um, <laughs> so that's where you can find me now, just very deep in Jin and uh, Kardashian. <laughs> but. Uh, I also want to congratulate you guys. I think like Nancy's, it's empty now because I drink fast. Like <laughs> I, me too, Nanda. Ravenclaw forever. <laughs> yes. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just think that it's, I love what you guys do. I'm with Nancy there. Like it just feels like uh, listening to friendly voices. And honestly, like just continuing to do a thing is so major right now right like 100 episodes it's so much and you know especially in the podcast space it's so cluttered things keep popping in and out so just you know to be able to live that long to have that identity and you know to 
create the type of space that you guys are seeing here today. I feel like that's such a big deal. Uh, I think you guys are awesome. So not as, you know, as eloquent as Nancy sprays, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right thank now. you so much. That means, that means a lot. I mean, it's just cool to be able to like offer anybody anything back in return for what they've given you. So you guys have given us all so much. So yeah, uh, it just works out. Uh, we're we're still way ahead. Really quick, too, I want to acknowledge that uh, our friend Tanisha Singleton like uh, put a comment here for us. Who is she was watching on YouTube, and she said, "Yoo-hoo, Congrats on a hundred, fellas! Glad to see everyone's faces." Thank you to Tanisha. We've we've interacted with her. Oh yeah, uh, on Nancy's uh, on Nancy's in Nancy's classes and stuff, and uh, she's been a great friend of the show, a Gemini sister of mine, I might add. So uh, so uh, shout out to Tanisha. We appreciate her watching. We appreciate her, uh, uh, you know, her good wishes for the show. All right. Well, hey, thanks uh, everybody very much uh, for everything. We're just going to go ahead and, and and sign this thing off. I mean, obviously nobody's going to have watched it to this uh, length, so we don't have to worry about doing it in some sort of seamless or elegant fashion, right? Uh, so we're just going to hang up on it like a like a telemarketing call, right? Like it's just, uh, but no. <laughs> But thank you, everyone. It means so much. Uh, and, and we will all you know, be together again soon in, in Chuck's basement, uh, God, God willing, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you later, everybody. Take care now. Bye-bye.